Say something. Hello, Stephen. You can be a little louder, because I was a lot louder before, and you were all timid and Well, because bullshit. I'm always fucking yelling, it sounds like. You are always yelling, and well, that's what I'm working on. Because I'm sitting across from you. <laughs> it's not my fault you didn't take a blood pressure medicine. Whatever. Welcome to the No Int here, the podcast. The, I mean, one of the official <laughs> podcasts. I don't really know what to say anymore. Welcome to the No Int here, the podcast. There you go. That was Chris and Steven. I don't know if we ever said our names. Yes. Thank I you. Don't, I don't think we did. He's Chris. And I'm Steven. Mm-hmm. Did I get it right? You did. Sweet. Excellent. Now, you had a question for me, Chris. A, a question that's been burning at your nether regions. I have about a hundred of the old Dragon magazines. And I figured a uh, fun thing to start with moving forward would be take a look at one of the old letters uh from you know because back in the day you'd have to okay i have a question you can't just you know send a tweet out to jeremy crawford and he'll hit you back with an answer you had to write in on the article or a question you had and you mean you didn't have the internet back then pen and paper and then pray to god they answered your question wow you're so old so steven's i'm going to read a question to steven and he is going to answer it this is not going to be a 20 minute segment answer it quickly so the question is... Uh, that's a lot of equations. It's not that one. I can't oh, do math. Okay. <laughs> question is, Dear Dragon, the article, Bats Do More Than Bite, was excellent, but there is one thing I do not understand. Five of the bats have infravision. It is a fact that bats are blind and that they screech to find objects as their screech bounces off of the objects and they hear it. So if bats are blind, how do they have infravision? That was from Tim, St. Louis, Missouri. And this is like back and Tim's probably dead. Um, God only knows this was issue 92. Uh, so that's, fuck it, a long time ago. I can't find it. <laughs> well, Tim, I'm glad that you're an idiot. There are no species of bat that are blind. I thought they were all blind. So are you, you Tim? No. No, there's no species of bat that are blind. They all have eyesight. It's not great eyesight, per okay. se, but they rely a lot on their echolocation to help them find fast-moving targets in the dark. But, you know, they, they have working eyeballs. Would that affect their range if they have poor eyeballs? Or do you think that infravision, you could compensate for it and be like, yeah, the infravision's Well, better. I assume that when he's talking about the infravision, they have it out to a specific range. Yeah, they do. Yeah, then... That's their range of infrared vision. I mean, it's basically just dark vision, but 5e got rid of uh, low light vision, infrared vision, and just threw it all into dark vision. Just to make things easy. Because they're lazy. Well, I mean, do you really want to be, no. you know, looking at your players and it's like, all right, it's 5 o'clock in the evening. That means low light. And they're like, look outside. It's summer. Are you <laughs> sure it's low light? I mean, we got a lot of light out there. And just be like, you know what, guys? It's not summer. It's spring. Well, can you show us? Where the sun is in the sky, and then we'll discuss whether it's... No, no, just throw everything in the dark vision, you're fine. Okay, well, there you go, Tim. You got your answer for 5e. If you're still alive... <laughs> About 30 years later. You should be all set up. But yes, bats are not blind. All right, bats are not blind. There Actually, we go. Actually, one sec. The 5e bat, I bet, has dark vision. Meh. Technology load. Yes, the... Actually, What? Oh, this should be good. The 5e bat has blind sight out to 60 feet, which I guess is like their echolocation. I guess I can see that. I mean, blind sight's basically dark vision. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I was about to get all 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 angry, but no, no. Blind sight just takes into effect that uh, they have echolocation. Ooh, and they specify that the bat can't use its blind sight while deafened. 
So just, if you have a gunslinger in your party, just have them keep, like, in the cave, just shooting bats down. And then nobody sure can hear. <laughs> Alright. And all that. Yep. Alright. Cool. That was a segment of Stephen yells at people that are probably dead by now. There you go. Okay. We'll continue that every week. I'll find more annoying questions for Stephen to answer. Yay. So what's the annoying question you had for me to answer today? <sighs> that was it. Um... So, Stephen, what are we talking about? How powerful characters ruin all my fun chris that's okay. what we're talking about today all right explain yourself why did you get so fucking powerful it's your fault that's fair i do give out experience points all the time yeah no that's fair which is more of a topic i want to talk about but yeah we'll talk about you stupidly strong characters well how is that the player's fault well yeah. i guess it's a two-part the play it, it, it's half the player half the half the dm i don't follow so how I- is it half my fault? <laughs> It's never my fault. <laughs> okay, all right, you're you're right. Um, we drug you to convince you to let us do stuff. Well, I guess more of the the, the question is: Are tier three and tier four of D and D play like when you're becoming you know demi demi gods and things of that nature? I mean, is that fun for players? And then is it fun for GMs? Mm. I mean, players like uh, according to uh, the one and only Mike Merles, uh, he. Uh, tweeted out probably a couple of years ago that um you know, most tables because <laughs> he hasn't tweeted anything forever <laughs> uh, most tables only get up to about level nine level 10 some to a level 11 but not many uh really go up into those upper tiers mm-hmm. do you think that's because you know it's just not fun for gms who control you know th- those levels that you get to is it is it because it's just too much craziness or i don't know that that seems do people like- just give up on D D. <laughs> Once again, to the double digits. That kind of seems like laziness on the uh, on the GM's fault. See, now you uh, you got me saying GM. I'm DM, GM. Which one do you prefer? DM is a dungeon uh, master. Yeah, oh. uh, which is licensed, copyrighted term for Dungeons and Dragons. GM is just a generic term, game master, so which isn't copyrighted at all. So the GM, they, I think it's just laziness on their fault. I mean, it gets harder to put together adventures at higher levels i mean would you disagree with that i mean no okay (laughs) i mean it's more of the same you know you you guys hey here's the quest go ahead and do this yeah i mean i have to use new monsters i can't just throw a kobold at you guys and watch you guys run away in fear no you'd send a thousand kobolds correctly (laughs) the now i think it's more of it i think it takes a little more thought when you're a higher level you can't just be like, you walk into, a, you go into a tavern, you get a quest, you go on into a dungeon, blah, 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 and you'd experience points. I mean, at that, by by level 11, the players want something more. They want to have, they want to go a little deeper into the characters. I think that that's where you really dive into And can we specify that you haven't DM'd for a 5e game yet, right? Yes, that's true. Okay. Just we'll see. This is this is the player's perspective on yeah. Well, DMs see, being lazy. Got it. See, but it was easier in D and D and One E and all those because you had henchmen and castles, and I mean you could just fight wars. I mean you would be like, you have a castle. Your neighbor's a dick, and then your player would be like, great, I'm taking a hundred of my henchmen, and we're gonna go fuck that guy over. And then you'd have, and there were no mass combat rules, so he would just be going nuts. I mean, I don't even remember how the fuck we did it, but it was, you know, you could have these large-scale battles and taking over castles, and, you know, your neighbor would have some powerful magic item that you'd want, so people would invade you. It was kind of fun. 
you know they don't have that i mean you can do that but they don't like it's not spelt out that yeah hey at ninth level you get a fucking castle and you have this many henchmen you know now it puts more of the onus on you to go through that yeah well they quickly shifted away from the the you know you you get a castle or a barbarian horde or you know a big magical wizard tower and like that was from like one e to two e where they kind of, or no it was like two e to three where they just like stripped all that out where it became it's no longer you and a hundred of your best friends uh, as part of your barbarian horde now it's you and your party. Well, do you think that with the introduction of more mass combat rules uh, from Matt Colville? Yeah, from Colville, do you think they're going to be like, oh shit? That's actually pretty popular, and add their own mass combat rules and maybe They've bring that back. Already released a UA for mass combat. No, um, do you think they could bring it <laughs> back? I'm not going to answer that one. Why? Ah, it's just. I guess I will answer that one since you're asking me why. It's fine. It very much favors whoever has more people, not necessarily their strength or anything like that. And it's from what I've read, it is a lot more complicated than it needs to be. Well, and we've played, we've done two mass combat. Using uh, Matt Colville's. Yeah, and I like it. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's once you pay attention and actually listen to what you're saying on the rules, it's straightforward, easy, and it's fun. Um, It's, I liked it, and I wish they would maybe bring that back in some sense. Well, I mean, it's it's no longer about building a castle, though, in, in most games. Like, like they quote-unquote, give you more freedom to, uh, to. I mean, if you want to do that, then yeah, talk to your GM and, and see about doing that, but they they don't assume that every fighter's going to get a castle, right? or that every barbarian's going to get their own horde. They, they assume that you're going to reach up to level 20 in your class, and be adventurers, not be a king. Correct. But there isn't even any option. It's a, it's a homebrew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It would, it would definitely have to be a homebrew. But I mean, I I can't imagine, or just get Koval's rules. I mean, because and then kind of feed into that. Well, tie the two together. uh, The the problem is, how are they supposed to balance around someone with a hundred knights behind them, or you know, a hundred and fifty barbarian, or was it four hundred strong barbarian horde? Like, how 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 are they supposed to work with that? With the idea that. Hey, most adventurers are, are going to be solo campaigners while others are going to, you know, grab grab 400 of their buddies and storm this one castle. Well, you, I would I would think that if you had one character, I mean that's a that's a player issue. If you're one character that wants to have a castle, then, you know, if the rest of the party's like, "No," then, you know, you're going to have to talk to that player and be like, "Yeah, we're not really down with that." The rest of the party could be like, Dude, that's a fucking great idea. We'll be the Knights of the Round Table. Let's go do it. Yeah, well, then it's not one person right. be getting the castle. I'm it's the entire table yeah. getting the castle, yeah. which is a lot different than how it was, where one person True. got the castle, and then mm-hmm. another person got their horde, and then if there was another fighter in the group, then he got his own castle. And Yeah, why do you have to, why do you have to like, always like go back to like take old school rules and make fun of it? I'm not making fun of you, Chris. I mean, uh, the old school <laughs> at least, rules. At least at this exact moment. So... All right, so yeah, so that's an option. Um, well, and and I think part of it is you know five e doesn't really provide a lot of resources for high level play. Yes, you have all the spells that go up to level nine, and you have mm-hmm. wish, you have meteor swarm, you have all those fun little spells. <laughs> that's how you balance out a hundred knights meteor swarm. <laughs> I wish they were all dead. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Done. <laughs> um, I'm gonna raise them all. They're all now undead. 
Yeah, and so the the problem, like like you have those resources, and you see like capstone abilities. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't good. Looking at you, Ranger, um, that that players can see, and they're very excited. Oh, it would be amazing, you know, if I was a druid that was level twenty, because then I'll never die because I I just I'm live the off trees. the trees. Yeah. <laughs> You're the Lorax. Um, or you're a barbarian <laughs> with 24 strength and 24 con, and you're just like, I'm a demi-human of strength and yeah. health. If I play a 20-level uh, druid, can I be the Lorax? Yes. Excellent. Yes. I, will, I, will, awesome. I will make you a new wild shape form that can be the Lorax. Actually, they have unlimited wild shape. I think it's level 18 where they stop aging. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So no, level no. 20, unlimited wild shape. I'd probably have that wrong, but whatever. In case you ever wanted to just be anything you ever wanted to be. <laughs> But, yeah, going on, like, the players have a bunch of things, like, they are given a bunch of resources for high-level play. The DMs, the GMs, like, they aren't given that much to work with. Yes, there's a couple of monsters, there's liches, there's uh, a couple of celestials, a couple of fiends that are uh, high CR in the monster manual. There's the purple worm at CR 16, but it's... Yeah, most a- of the most of D&D is very front-loaded when it comes to their monsters. Right. Monsters, most monsters are going to be about CR, you know, between CR 0 and about CR 12, 13, 14 type area. And then after that, it's... So you're saying there's a gap between, like, CR 13 and your Tarrasque. Yeah, well, yeah. There's there, a limited amount of things you can use. There are very limited, uh, and so it's, it forces DMs to have to make their own monsters if they want... You know, right. if they just don't want to control, uh, you know, you know, thirty orcs just to make the fight, you know, mm-hmm. semi-challenging to the players. But even then, the wizard in the back's just like, and fireball up, gas <laughs> goodbye. So, would you say that maybe part of the reason that people don't go past those ten, eleven, twelve levels is because maybe they just don't like homebrew, or they're they're not comfortable making it? I mean, you you're, I, you're quite comfortable doing it. But. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite comfortable doing that, and, I mean, we'll talk more about that later, but, um, I mean, you gotta think back even to, like, 3rd and 4th edition, because this is where, I mean, Mike Merle's made those stats, and they release, you know, 5th edition with it being more front-loaded, like, mm-hmm. all the monsters pretty weakened compared to past editions, so you have to think, well, in 4th and 3rd edition, obviously, they weren't going that high in level either, even though they did have monsters that were way stronger and, you know, there the there there was more resources for GMs that went way higher. So maybe, you know, in five E, yes, you could you could probably say, hey, we don't go that high because there just isn't enough for us to work with, with right. inside of what Watsi's given us. Whereas those earlier editions, like you had Paragon Pass and four E that and you could get all the way up to level thirty. That's crazy. <laughs> And, like, well, I mean, like, the, the Paragon Pass are kind of cool because, like, once you got to, like, level 30, you could, like, basically, like, like you ascend. And it's yeah. just, like, it de- like the, the book describes, you know, <laughs> what <laughs> what is life like for you now that you are, like, this massively powerful person? It's like, oh, you, you know. Worship you, me. Yeah, I mean, you know, lesser gods. Like, there, there are ways that you could become, basically, lesser gods and things of that yeah. nature. It's not many people got that high. Right. It could just be, you know, more of a matter of fact, you know, they're getting in a bunch of statistics from people that, you know, they, they tried making, you know, three or four games and they only got to level one. And so, you know, before their, their group broke down. So, you know, everything's kind of skewing towards, you know, yeah. the lower end without so, seeing, you know, the raw stats. One can't really true talk about it. So two questions for you. Two answers. Question one is, do you think maybe the reason 
players don't go past that is they get bored with their characters. And I can answer that too. And two would be the players that are, you know, power gamers and are, you know, they just manipulate to just become overpowerful, you know, because they spend the time looking around and they're like, okay, I know what I can do just to max the hell out of my character. Do you, how much of an effect does that have on you and affect the game? You know what I mean? Does that ruin the game for you? And you're like, Jesus Christ, I got two guys that are just stupidly powerful and the rest of the party is lagging behind. No, I, I mean, it, in, in a world where you can blame all your problems on power munchkins, then I mean, yeah, no, good but, for them. Yeah, you know, I mean, but it's, it's, I, I, I mean, when we're doing our, uh, you know, when we're in the higher tiers, it's just, there was a lot more to deal with, even, f- you know, I mean, from any player, it's just, they have so many abilities, they have so many things, it's, it, it can be very challenging, uh, from a GM standpoint to create challenges for them, because the wizard would be like, oh, I got a spell for that. It's like, screw you. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Your spell book yeah. destroyed. Damn it. I just spent three hours on that. You have an aneurysm. <laughs> yeah. I, and it, it kind of turns into, you know, once you get to those higher things, it's like, this kingdom is in need of saving. And the wizard's just like, well, I got this one spell called Disintegrate. I think that'll work. And it's just, you know, they, they you know, it, how many times can they save the same kingdom until it becomes something more uh, threatening? You know, it's like, oh, there's the kobold horde. Well, we got rid of them, too. Uh, well, there's uh, an orc army arose out of no. Well, we got rid of them, too. And it's, you know, uh, eventually you kind of have to move on from, you know, the smaller problems and put a greater focus towards, you know, world-ending destruction. You know, it's like, oh, this Vecna character is rising up. And it's like, oh, how many times is Vecna going to be the final boss for our level 20 characters? You know, this is the third campaign and we got (laughs) another Lich as the big bad evil guy. Well, no. But, I mean, I guess that goes back to... Take a little time and make homebrew. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, some people just aren't comfortable doing that. Yeah. No, and I totally and I and, and I would say that uh, homebrew has a lot more, like homebrewed monsters, there's a lot more wiggle room when it comes to higher tier play because, you know, you, you got those level 9 spells that just, like, destroy you. Yeah. Or you got, you know, the fighter making four attacks every round, and then they action surge twice in a row, so, you know, they have eight attacks for two rounds, and it's just... At a certain point, there's a ton of wiggle room when it comes to those high-tiered monsters, but then you also have, you know, as as the GM, you, you have to, you know, create that, and then you also have to create the Avenger, then you have to figure out the challenges for the party, and you know, there's, some, there's enough information out there that you can. You don't have to create it. No, no. Hunt you, around and look for something decent. Yeah, and there's there's plenty of things where you can look at um, that uh, can help you challenge your 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 players. And like even um, Watsy's only adventure released for five E that uh, goes up to level twenty. Like uh, uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, it's mm-hmm. it's fine, but they they heavily rely on. Uh, a bunch of small little CR monsters. And, it, you know, each room, oh, this room has five of them. This room has seven of them. This room has three of them. And it's all like, you know, level 10 plus characters and that they're fighting CR two or three monsters. And there's like five of them in this room, six in this other room, three in this, like. So they're just using numbers instead of. Yeah, it, it becomes a very much a, a numbers game and just 
a lot of encounters, and I mean it's a, it's a dungeon. You know, it, it's it's a dungeon crawl. You're you're going. You're you're expected to have a lot of encounters, but it's just it's. If my characters are level twelve, troglodytes aren't that scary, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I get it. Or you know, uh, higher levels and or lower levels in the dungeon. You know, there's uh, it's like oh, there's more drow that you have been fighting this entire time throughout the dungeon. It's they're not that scary anymore, and so it, it becomes more of a numbers game where oh, now there's fifteen drow in here. Ooh, now it's getting scary because they can oh, and the fireball wiped them all out. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, they need to learn how to spread out. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I had a question. I lost it. The Well, you were asking about players. Is yeah. It, is no. it fun for... Do you get bored of your character? No. I, I... And that was one of the reasons, going back to one of our other discussions about backstory, where I have a limited backstory. I have backstory. But a limited amount of backstory just because... I like to develop my character as the game goes on. So I want to get to level 20. I want to get there because that gives me that time to develop my character so at the end he can lose his faith and become a drunk and hang out in his shield guardian's castle. You know? <laughs> it, yeah. And it sets up for... We've done a couple epilogue episodes and they've been fantastic or epilogue adventures. The uh, My question... Uh, let's go back to the, the other part. So the question is for a GM... I guess, do you get frustrated with players that really drill down and understand how to use that combination of stats and feats and, you know, magic items and whatever it is to make their characters just, you know, to get 12 attacks in one round? You know what I mean? I mean, it, once you get to that lo- that high of a level, if you're smart, you can do that. And that ties into the other the other part that you were saying before. Then one battle becomes like four e. You spend you could spend an entire session on one battle if you have equally powerful monsters in the room, and that's fine. You know, I think I don't mind doing a little wandering around and spending an, an hour or whatever, two hours fighting it out because I built my character. I want to use these abilities. I really do. Is that frustrating for you though? Because no, because D and D is a combat game. Right, no, but is it frustrating for you for the player that, you know, really mid-maxes to the point where you're just like, holy shit, how do I do More that? monsters. I mean, they can Two only target bullets. one monster at a time. <laughs> so, I mean, and, 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 you know, I, I, I don't know, I'm not sure if I'm making myself clear on what I'm trying to say. I guess the other piece, and I said it briefly before, is balancing it at that point where if you have, let's say, two players that are significant, significantly stronger than the rest of your party and because they built their characters that way. And that's great. Good for them. They were smart. They did some research and they're like, fuck yeah, I'm super powerful. And the rest of us who just started playing again are like, holy shit. Wall of I force. gotta figure out how to do that. Tell you what you do. You use wall of force. You put a circle around them. They don't get a save to, <laughs> to escape the wall of force and they're just stuck in it. <laughs> But they're and on my team. <laughs> and they have to hope the wizard has this, has disintegrate. Yeah. So here's the thing. Like, in the last session we had, it was my first, or last campaign we had, it was my first campaign in 20 years. Yes. I didn't, there were no feats. I didn't understand feats. I read about them, but I'm like, uh, I'm not really comfortable. I didn't take any feats. Okay. And I watched other people do that. And I was like, wow, 
that's awesome. They, you know, that's a great combination of things. Yeah. Cool. No, I, and, and I liked them, but I just didn't feel comfortable with it. Okay. So I spent more time researching and talking to some of the guys and ladies about what do you think is a good combo? Here's, here's what I'm planning. I'm playing this campaign. Oh, you should take that. And other people are like, no, take this and think about that. And I'm making my character stronger in this session because I have a comfort level now and I have the, I, I know how to combine the different things that you can combine to make your character powerful. Does that cause any more of a challenge for you? As players can figure this out and make them more and more powerful, you're just going to add another 100 kobolds. And yeah. is it frustrating? Or do you just say, hey, good for them, it's part of the game? No, I mean, they're following the rules. Right. I mean, I reading through the book, you're like, oh, yeah, that does work well with that. And But that also is the same with the monster manual. You know, oh, these monsters work really good together. It, you know, you, you wouldn't... I mean, if you look at Mordekainen's Tome of Foes, the star spawn, there's one star spawn, uh, the Hulk, I think it is, uh, okay. who, whenever it takes psychic damage, it doesn't affect him, it just splashes out and hits, uh, and, like, splashes out from him, like, a 10-foot radius or something like that. But then, right. you have a star spawn seer, I believe it is, that can throw a, basically, like, a globe of psychic damage. Oh, basically. <laughs> it's just like, like, it's just like a little cantrip attack Okay, for it. okay. Is it... You know, is it overpowered when all I have it do is just throw the psychic energy at its Hulk friend, who's not going to take damage, and it just auto-splashes out and hits the players? <laughs> no, this that's what they were designed to do. And, you know, some feats are designed to work well with uh, character uh, abilities, and other feats are kind of useless, but a lot of fun, like the Diving Brawler. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's, as a, as a DM, if you have a bunch of players that work or do a lot of research outside of the game to uh better play their characters better utilize their abilities it's not them being power munchkins it's them doing their homework it's them actually figuring out how things work and how uh how they can be a better player not it, it is not you know immediately just them you know trying to ruin people's fun by by being a power munchkin it's just you know them trying to learn how to play correctly yeah, no, and, and I was, I'll admit, I was frustrated when I saw, saw people doing that more from the standpoint because I didn't understand how to do it. And then I started talking to people and asking and doing a lot more in-depth reading. And now I'm having fun doing it because it, you know, it's great. It, why just play a boring old character when you can have some of this cool stuff? I guess my other question would be, you're the best GM in the world, but. Do you think other GMs get frustrated? You mean you play in a you you GM a couple AL leagues, so I'm sure you you're not the friendliest person in the world. But you talk to some of the other DMs. Do you sense any frustration from them when players do that? I mean, is it just all GMs are just like, hey man, good for them? No, I, I assume, or else we won't be having this discussion, right? I just I think there's definitely like even in like online communities, there's GMs that are frustrated. At those higher levels, and obviously there's something going on if people aren't going above, you know, level 10, level 11 mm -hmm. for their games. Like, obviously there is, you know, maybe, uh, oh, this is my first campaign. I don't want to go too high level because I'm still trying to learn the rules. Or they're sticking with the Watsi created adventures, and it's like, well, they don't go past that. And I'm, you know, I don't want to do something that's homebrew because if i mess it up it's on me and you know uh you know this new adventure that just came out looks really interesting let's 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 do that yeah okay and it it might be a little bit of that it might be a little bit of 
uh, games falling apart. Um, you know, it's it's hard keeping a set schedule on a uh, on a game. You know, every week, hey, every week, Friday, five o'clock, let's meet up, let's play for a couple hours, and then you know, next week, let's do the same thing. And it's it's hard to keep that going for yeah, unless you bribe them with food an extended period of time. Yes, I mean, food is a great way to bribe people to come see you. Yes. Uh, so yeah. Okay, because, and the reason I asked that was, you know, reading through a couple, you know, of the D&D threads on, you know, subreddits, there are people that, like, how do I, you know, how do I kill my players so that we can start over again? They're, they're too powerful. And you see those on, on, on there. You sense the frustration that they're pissed off because their players are being smart in developing their characters the best way they can. And then, you know, these guys, and the GMs are bitching. Like what do I do? Like how do I how how, how do I fix this? How do I almost well, nerf that's a my character? Different question. That 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 comes down to, you know, talk with your players yeah. and stop. I mean, the DM is not supposed to win at the end of the game session. If if, if the DM wins and all the characters are dead, then you know yeah, that's not the point of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The point the point of the game is you know everyone has fun. Um, uh, there's you know point of the game. Have fun, and the players are going to win. So the DM is there to set up challenges, to correct. set up encounters for the players to overcome. So let me ask you a question. And it makes just, me sad when you guys keep killing all my monsters. Well, I will admit there there is a bit of, there there is a small part of me that dies. A little part you whenever dies. you kill <laughs> a, a big monster that I'm very excited about. So let me ask you this question then. Okay. Did it just give you a sense of pure happiness when on our last session you actually had the big bad evil guy win? No. <laughs> I mean, it didn't really win because it was sort of a, you know, we already did the campaign before and we, we knew what the end result was and we we're moving on from there. But there was, there's that middle ground that we had to set up the next one that we never did. So you, you got to yeah, win. To, 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 but to, 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 yeah, spell it out a little bit clearer. Because uh, I'm a babbling idiot. We, because uh, uh, a couple of players couldn't make it to our last session, I like to do uh, basically, yeah, e- epilogue mm-hmm. sessions where we go back and we um, take our level 20 overpowered characters and just, you know, do something fun. You know, one person has a curse set on them. Hey, let's figure out what's going on with that. Another person pulled from the deck of many things and got himself a castle. Well, hey, let's go into that Scooby Doo mansion and figure out what's going on inside of it. Um, another one was just this one city got taken over, uh, basically, uh, taken over by, uh, what they keep calling an evil king. I like to call him misunderstood, uh, <laughs> king. And, uh, I, it was just more of a throwaway line. And then the, the cleric in the group who was actually from that town and a Tempest cleric was like, Hey, I want to be there for that. I was like, cool. We'll set that up as an epilogue. And then. Things happen, and more history was revealed, and you know, other people in the group was like, "Yeah, we're going to be there and stop him from doing this." And I was just like, "Ah, eh, whatever." Uh, eventually, it kind of comes to when we finally get to that epilogue, where um, you know, I had a bunch of different contingency plans based off of what you guys did, uh, and it kind of worked out easily enough, where you know, I, d- I didn't have to do too much finagling to get uh, a certain outcome, which was a bit railroady on my part, but you guys kind of knew that from the outset yeah um we had to get to that outcome for well i mean i would have you know, there are all sorts of manners that i could have done to get that outset for them uh through trickery and things like that you know the the, the basically 
you know, uh, the, the newspapers of the time reported, the broadsheets, I suppose, uh, reported at the time that uh, this uh, Dwarven King was killed in the fighting. You know, that, that could have happened a number of ways. It could have been misinformation. It could have been, you know, uh, a decoy Dwarven King. And Technically, he was killed, but I just yeah. resurrected him. Yeah, and, and, and it kind of came down to, you know, they, uh, the, the Evil King and then the Dwarven King had a 1v1. Um, 1v1 me, bro. Uh, Dwarven King didn't make it thanks to... That went really poorly. <laughs> thanks to uh, some some good roles on my part and the, the yeah. fact that I uh, I uh, had some trickery where, you know, some... some magic field? <laughs> some bystander in the back cast uh, some horrible spell on him and he uh, he was forced to basically get himself killed. So, yeah. That, I forget why we're talking about that. But yeah, yeah, yeah so big level 20 event shenanigans happened mm-hmm. oh you were asking if i found joy and yes that. yes it, did it, i did did i pick up my and you dice said no and you roll them you're yeah, lying i mean there's a little sliver of like hey i got to win once okay i mean i get to win all the time when you guys win oh my god when my players win i <laughs> no it's i uh, did i get joy from it not really um i mean it was kind of a i mean I knew that was going to be kind of a, a frustrating thing for you guys. So I was more worried that you guys were having fun than, you know, oh, I won something. You lie. Yes. At, at the time, it was like, yay, I win something because I'm a petulant child, Chris, that always has to win, unlike you guys who never have to win every session you guys go to and don't get upset when your dice roll poorly. Mm, yeah, well, my dice are cursed these days. I got to get okay, like a yeah. chicken and sacrifice it to somebody. You can sacrifice it to i don't know who who likes chicken sacrificed mm. voodoo gods <laughs> okay so okay did i enjoy that the big bad evil guy won Meh. okay let me rephrase it okay did you enjoy the fact that you got to use there wasn't the fear of oh, i don't want to kill them you know it it's it's supposed to be the I don't players have fear the players are supposed to win but now you're just like, I get to use the abilities uh, that I've set up for these characters or these evil creatures or whatever. The person we call the evil king, he's not really that evil. Uh, you get to use all these abilities without you being like, oh, I'm gonna, it's going to be a TPK. didn't use all his abilities. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, I mean, well, first off, I don't ever worry about your guys' deaths. Your character does. If it happens, it happens. I, I can't control the dice, and I go with what the dice tell me mm-hmm. to go with. And, you know, death is so inconsequential in D&D 5e that it's it's barely worth mentioning. Like, oh, cool, you died. Well, good news, we have a ninth level cleric that'll just run over, tap you with a couple of diamonds, and bring you back. Unless you disintegrate them. Oh, cool. True resurrection. Well, I guess that's true. A couple more diamonds, and you're back. It's just, of course, you have to be higher level for that but you also have to be a higher level to fight someone that has a center right so it's you know kind of a moot point at that point and really you know i could make diamonds incredibly rare in the game but at that point you guys have a bunch of money and it's dnd 5e doesn't really set you up to do anything with gold when you get it so mm-hmm. why not just blow it all on diamonds <laughs> good point so and i think that's that that maybe that's the problem is 5e gives you all these things that you can work with but it doesn't give you anything to do with them. You know, it, 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 it's, it gives you all these monsters to kill for experience points. But at the end of the, you know, uh, closer to the end of the campaign, it doesn't give you anything to do with that, with those levels because it doesn't have the monsters for you to fight. It doesn't have 
you know, there, oh, there's the Lich, there's the Death Knight, I'm so tired. Like, you as players are like, but we fought this our last high-level campaign. We did this the last time. You know, I already know all about a Lich. I'm not that scared of it. It's just a fancy little dead Archmage. Like, eh. Cool. Another Abolith. Like, you know, there aren't that many varied high-level monsters. Now, there are plenty of low mid-tier level monsters mm-hmm. that you can throw in you know you, you got veg pygmies that are just like what the fuck are those <laughs> <laughs> so you can have your yeah. your high level cr that you're one guy and you, then you have he has a shitload of minions yeah or there's like you know uh oh it's not kobolds anymore it's goblins or bullywugs mm-hmm. or you know orcs or hobgoblins you have all these smaller tiered monsters that you can just change out and so it, it like your players it makes it feel fresh for your players okay. Whereas, you know, oh, it's another lich. Oh, it's a different lich. This one's a halfling lich. Ooh, how different. Same abilities, though, right? Yep. Yeah, Got a, it. Okay, it's trash. <laughs> I mean, at least I, I've i seen many adventures where it's like, oh, the final boss is the Tarrasque. And it's like, ah. Yeah. According to the lore, you can actually kill it. It just goes back to sleep, so. Yep. <laughs> okay, so last, last, I guess, big question on this topic. Okay. Magic items. Yes. So. We're in a high. Players like magic items. I'll admit Yeah, I'll like that. I'll admit that. Players like magic. They're oh. cool. Oh, you're so trendy and brave admitting that you guys like magic items. Shut up. I like magic items too. Shut up. <laughs> so. All right. The GM's the one that gives the magic items out. Yeah. I mean, maybe you're just doing it so you have you can stop listening to us whine. Five E is not a magic item heavy edition. No, it's actually a magic item. Is a maybe it's something you give out. Maybe it's not. I mean, you don't have to give it out. There's no like the game is not designed with you giving out magic items. Right. Now you're you. What does this have to do with high level play? You don't. You're not as stingy. I'm sure as other people. <laughs> I think I'm very giving. You are. I, I I guess I should clarify. We play in a uh, high magic. Maybe might be too strong of a word for it. But they say mid high to mid. Yeah, mid mid, mid high. high 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 mid. Yeah, which I don't know which one go. goes first. <laughs> um, uh, kind of magic campaign. Uh, there are magic shops. They they are not fully stocked with everything. There are they only have certain things. And if you want to try and find something, you have to go into a big city to kind of look for it and spend several days, you know, trying to track it down. And then even then, it might be extremely, you know, uh, yeah. And, and you're not giving out things like the sort of cost. You're you're it's potions. I mean, it's mainly my it's minor little things, right? Consumables are are easy to give out because it's a uh, you know, oh, I accidentally gave out this potion of vulnerability. I made a really bad mistake, but it lasts for an hour and then it's you know it's used up and then you know they it's gone yeah yeah and 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 that's kind of nice with consumables is you know once it's used up it's gone and so i mean yeah you would figure in a town about it in a big town there's probably a alchemist that can make potions so it would make sense that that would be something that they do for a living well alchemist potion of healing uh, but but the books say herbalist fine herbalist but it really should be alchemist. It should be. You can, I I already complained about this in the uh, yes, in did. my tools post for alchemist supplies, mm-hmm. uh, which I'll link. Excellent. I won't go into that again. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Good. Because that Chris. would be a 20 minute rant. <laughs> so yes, uh, so, go on about magic items. 
so if you're a GM and you're complaining or you're thinking that the fun's being ruined in the game because and you're giving up magic items, isn't that on you? Don't you, if you're like, I'm going to give up magic items. Great. Thank you. We like that. Then you, the responsibility is on you to make sure that you're balancing the campaign in conjunction with the magic items you're giving. Yeah. Well, I, um, I mean, part of the problem might be that the, uh, the GM, especially for new GMs, like they, they, they fear that they aren't going to be liked by their players or they are going to be seen as a bad GM unless they do things that their player wants. Right. And, you know, that, that, that can be a, uh, a scary thing, especially for new GMs that aren't like, aren't confident in their abilities it's like well i i want them to to think i'm a good gm i i, I want to be a good gm I'll, I'll give them a couple of magic items to make them feel better and then it's like oh god <laughs> <laughs> i gave this level one character a wand of fireballs what have i done i immediately regret my decision yeah. <laughs> i gave this level one you know fighter a, a belt of cloud giant strength and you know <laughs> <laughs> may not have been the best idea yeah uh 27 strength oh god <laughs> It's, you know, there, there's, and of course those are extreme examples, but it's, you know, it's, yes, if you give someone magic items, that is something that you really have to kind of plan out for in your campaign, and it does make higher level play even more complicated, because someone can just be like, yeah, I got a magic item for that, it's like, well, son of a bitch, I forgot to, you know, I went through all your spells you had, I went through all <laughs> the abilities everyone else in the group has, I forgot about the friggin' magic item that's gonna make this one thing work. Right. Great. And, you know, it's like... That's actually a good thing because it's you know like like the players are using what they're given and right. uh, like they're like ah I got one over the DM and it's you know it's it's fun for them but in for certain GMs it might just be more frustrating because it's like well I just spent two hours on this and they figured it out in two minutes great I'm so uh, glad I wasted all my time preparing for this and right. it, it it amounted to nothing and I think that's more of like the frustration of higher level plays there are so many more abilities that characters have that you know it's it's hard to plan around them and. If you get to a point where it's just like every session, everything you planned, you know, it's like, oh, this is taking quite a bit. I'll spend more time planning it. And then they just have what one might call like a cheese way of getting through it. It's like, well, that was frustrating. (laughs) And it makes you not want to do those higher level plays because there's a lot more that you have to balance. There's a lot more you have to plan for, um, which is where I learned the secrets of don't plan for it, just improv it. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. All right. I guess the, that no, I don't guess. I that does make total sense. All right. Yeah. And 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 that kind of get like if you're trying to make puzzles for high level players, that can be extremely difficult <laughs> because it's yeah, it's on the top shelf. How are you going to get to? It's just, I'll wish for it down. It's like well, damn it. <laughs> and and part of if you make puzzles for high level players, uh, one of the easiest things you can do is just. You know, have a general idea how it's solved, but don't you know spend two hours trying to figure out how you how how the players should solve it and things of that nature, and just have a general idea. And if the players come up with something that's really you know you know fun, it uses a little bit of their powers, it, it makes them feel like badasses. Just be like, yep, that was a solution all along. You know, <laughs> just smile and just be like, I don't believe you guys figured it out on your first try. That's amazing. Good job, guys. In the back, and of it's like. Hate you guys. Well, no, no. In, in the back of your head, you're like, I spent two minutes thinking of the puzzle, oh, okay. and it took them ten minutes to figure out their powers. You know, I did not waste you know hours trying to plan out this one puzzle for them to do. Right. You know, it's it, it becomes high level play, at least from my perspective. It became less planning the little things and more planning the big things and letting the players kind of drive everything forward, and me not spending hours and hours obsessing over 
one little puzzle. So, big picture, don't get bogged in the de- down in the details. Yeah. I think at lower level play, you can get bogged down in those details yeah. because you know all the things that they can do. You yeah. know, hey, they only have a non-magical sword. You know, this will be fun when they. F- you know, fruitlessly try to stab this one flesh golem in the face. And it's like, well, <laughs> it's a lot harder at higher level play to to uh, design around it, uh, your encounters and things of that nature, and to make it feel challenging to them. Yeah, I mean, you've got uh, at a good table from four to six people that are level 18 that have all this shit that you're trying to keep track of. I mean, I just gave up keeping track of things. I mean, it it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you'd spend your entire life trying to just do one campaign. Yeah. Like, and I think that's a good way to look at it. Big picture, get this, you know, what I want to do this session, but I'm not going to drill down so deep that I'm frustrated when they're like, oh, well, you did this. And you're like, and frankly, I stopped, uh, like once you guys got to like level 15 or higher, I just stopped caring what you guys could do. You know, it's like, they'll figure out a way to get through this, through this challenge, through this encounter. I'm just not even going to worry about how they might get through it. Because they have enough resources, they have enough, you know, spells, they have enough items that, that's going to help them through this. I'm just going to make the, the, the encounter and, you know, they can figure out how they're supposed to get through it. The world, like the big bad evil guy is not making this so that they can solve it. He is making this to basically, like, kill them. And it's funny because this is how players can ruin the game on their end because they are, I'll use our party as an example, there's so much overthinking, you know, because a lot of times we end on a cliffhanger, you know, and then so you have, for us, we have a week to see like, holy shit, this is what we're running into. This is what we've been working towards at this part of the campaign. What are we going to do? You know. 400 texts later within the first 48 hours it's like holy shit we are in, in, we're totally overthinking it and then 10 minutes not even 10 minutes two minutes into the battle it's gone to shit because on our end we're trying to play quote unquote the right way if our players don't know what the abilities are or <laughs> the big bad evil guy was supposed to disintegrate you why aren't you dead yet yeah and we planned for this. Our plans, like just like a just like a GM's when he plans all this stuff out, and the players do something. It's happened to us a ton of times. We we plan all this stuff out. And we're like, oops, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally didn't realize that could happen. And then then it's just a mad scramble, or someone wants to reach across the table and kill yeah. somebody because I and 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 that's how we do it. Yeah. We do the same thing. I guess closing thoughts on this is. The beginning levels, I, I feel more constrained about what I can do because you guys have less things to do. Mm-hmm. And I have to be more mindful about what you guys can do. I actually have to pick up the player's handbook, a filthy book filled with stuff for players, and <laughs> you know, look through what they can do. And it's like, oh, God, this would be a really cool puzzle, except I'd have to put in a MacGuffin or some shenanigans in there so that they could actually finish it. Whereas, you know... Higher level play, I just don't give a shit anymore. I'm like, <laughs> they'll figure it out. I don't know how they're going to figure it out. Yeah, but they will. The wizard will have something, I assume, or the fighter might actually have an idea for once, and you know, they'll they'll they will figure it out at higher levels, and it's less onus on me to make sure that there's a solution. Cool. And I mean, I I I enjoy high level play. I I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, you so know, do seeing I. you guys deal, you know, stupid amounts of damage. And seeing you guys use uh, different abilities that you, know, you don't normally see in a in a game of of D anD D, and it's you know 
And we enjoy too because that's what that's your yeah. that's our goal. Yeah, and and you know at level eighteen I can really hit you guys with <laughs> yeah, something. No shit. And it's like you know, I mean, maybe the wizard's a little squishy, but everyone else is like bulky and it's just like you know, you just got hit for a hundred points of damage, and the players are freaking out because they've never gotten hit for that much before. Whereas a DM, you know, it's like you're used to getting hit that much. It's just, you know, you're not concerned, but it's hilarious watching the the players freak out if they ever get hit for a lot of damage. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, and okay. it's you know, there there's there's a lot more freedom at higher level. Uh, higher tier games to just you know shenanigans will ensue because they have so much crap going on for them that you don't realize how things might mesh together but i think that's part of the appeal of high level play is that there are going to be like crazy things that are going to happen of yeah. course you know it, it it can't just be oh the king is a you know the king has uh, uh an enemy of kobolds coming to attack the city right cool no it, it you it, you're going to have to expand, you know, what they're fighting, you know, and, and I, if you want to do high level play, I definitely recommend Mordekainen's because they have a lot of high CR monsters in there that you can really right. add to your games to help, you know, spruce things up. It's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty good book. Yeah. All right. Anything, any last comments or would, I think that's ties it up pretty well. Yeah. Back to our little mini series on homebrew. Wow, Stephen, am I boring you that much? Uh, big yawn. So this week, homebrew subject. Let's talk. Let's talk the hard one: classes, not subclasses, but classes themselves. Start at subclasses. Okay. Let's. If you're going to design something, you got to start with a subclass first because it's easier. There's less for that you have to keep in mind, and uh, a class is just a big responsibility. You have to come up with something from levels one to twenty. It's uh, it's a uh, bit complicated bit a lot more complicated than just making a subclass so let's talk about subclasses today okay i'm excited <laughs> all right i've been doing a lot of subclasses for the player's perspective uh-huh and then you've been redoing all of them to make them right uh and make them playable so you've been doing a lot of subclasses on the player's perspective when now, you put it like that yes so let me ask you a question Okay. From the first one that I did, I can't remember what it was. Was that the Winchesters? No, it was the... It was one before that. Uh, the the uh, sorcerer person. Oh, Constantine. Yes, I think so. To the most recent one I did. Wait, which one was the one that you tried giving the lucky feet to? I was in the middle somewhere. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yes, it was Constantine. Yeah. To now. Yeah. And not necessarily a subclass, but the homeroom I'm doing... Have I gotten any better? <laughs> uh, yes. I get the concept now of... I think before you were following the the path of, this is a really cool idea in my head, and I have to fit it all in. Right. I still struggle with the middle, you know, those those 7 to 11 things. To be fair. To, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair, uh... Subclasses are, um, while they are a lot easier to design than just the an entire class wholesale, they they have a bit of uh, they're going to be different from class to class. Some classes are front loaded, some classes are mm-hmm. back Excuse me. Some classes are back loaded, and then others spread everything out equally across it. And so it's it's very difficult when kind of figuring out your subclasses if you've only ever made a subclass for like the wizard or the fighter or, or or just like clerics and then trying to jump into another class and make a subclass for it 
they have different moments within their classes when they get uh, their big heavy shit. Now, right. now class, all classes have a big power increase at 5, 11, and then I think 17 or 16 uh, when, when they have a nice big power jump and get a lot stronger. And, you know, uh, but most of the time those are going to be class features, not subclass features that they get at those power jumps. Okay. And so you have to figure out things. And, you, and, and of course, you look at what the other subclasses have going on during those levels, and then you try to keep it as close to those same power abilities. One of the hard things for people just getting into designing, you know, subclasses or even magical items or uh, feats or abilities or things of that nature is just what what is more powerful than something else in the game, you know? Is advantage really that strong when, uh, as opposed to just a blanket, you know, plus four, plus five increase to, to your, uh, to your saving throw? Like, I mean, look at paladins. They, they add their charisma modifier, which could be anywhere from negative, you know, negative five to plus five to certain, uh, to saving throws within like their aura for certain things. Right. And I'm being very generic because I don't remember it off the top of my head. But, you know. Why not? <laughs> Certain paladins, like, they can add their charisma modifier to saving throws with the, inside of their aura for certain effects, and uh, if people are standing in the aura, then everyone else gets that increase. Mm-hmm. Now, is that more or less powerful than just saying, hey, everyone in this aura gets an advantage on their saving throw against, you know, this effect? And and that I, I've struggled with that. It's the, probably the big piece that I've struggled with is... When to do a modifier and when to do advantage? Yes. Things like that. Um creating those little flavor thing flavor pieces that go with like what is it level three where you basically are giving a subclass two things oh a design ribbon uh yeah. so a yeah. the different like you have That's fun i can do that yeah. but balancing at what level i'm like is that too powerful or should is this not powerful enough i i Never quite sure where yeah. to go. And, and the problem is, you know, you have something in your head and it's like, you know, in TV, they just get all their powers at once. And it's like, well, yeah. you know, I can't just give a level three character all these cool powers, even mm-hmm. though, you know, in the TV, that's how that worked. And another problem is, you know, if you break it out so that they get certain powers at certain levels, you know, you, you might be like, all right, well, it's perfectly planned out for this first feature they get and the last couple of features they get, but this middle one, yep. you know, everything else seems stronger than it is, but, you know, uh, that's what they get in the TV show, but you can't make it too underpowered or else right. you'll you'll be sad, and so you kind of have to add in something extra, and then it's like, well, bleh, it, combining these two going to make... There, there's a lot of juggling, I guess I should say, involved when it comes to subclass making, and you have to keep going back and forth um and looking you know if they get this here and then they get that there then you know cool they'll right no and hopefully be good and going on with that like the ua uh that watsi releases is purposefully uh slightly overpowered because it's easier to see where things break when something is a lot stronger that's why it's ua right so they can yeah yeah well well it's ua so then people can see hey we're still working on this uh D 5e game here is you know, we're, we're planning on working on, you know, this in the future. You know, uh, like, Ghost of Saltmarsh came out in, was it April? Mar- May? I think May. It came out in spring. <laughs> there you <laughs> the go. The UAs before that were very much focused on, um, you know, ships or uh, characters that uh, deal with, uh, like, weather and stuff, which were released in Xanathar's. Right. And then they released a UA on ships back in, I think it was, like, December of 
you know, the year before. And so, you know, you, you had a, a pretty good idea. Oh, hey, this is what they're looking at doing, which is, you know, ship type travel. Mm-hmm. Now, and for reference, uh, I know that we're talking in general, but the subclasses I've been doing are all based on the Teletubbies. Yes. Are based that should on be your next subclass. characters or monsters. You do those for monsters. Characters from TV or movies. Actually, the first one I did was the brown coats from Firefly. Oh, yes. I remember now. Yes. So that's why we're referencing. It's like, yeah, okay, this person has this awesome power that he came with in the TV show. It's like, yeah, you can't give it to third level. Yeah. But you can't wait till 17th level to give them to him either because then what's the point? So, yeah, that's the piece that I've struggled with. One other question, looking around, obviously, people enjoy making subclasses. There's a ton. And looking through, it seems like everybody loves to make a monk subclass. I've, found, I've seen a lot more monk than uh, I have of any other don't real I don't know classes. if I could comment on that. I um, don't know if I paid attention enough. It seemed, it, it just... I think the monk is kind of a uh, more of a bland template, maybe. Yeah, you can have a way of whatever that you want at that point, it, and that's cool. You made a monk subclass. I did. Who was that? Uh, the faceless men from Game of Thrones. Yes, which will be linked. Cool. So, if I feel like it, yeah, okay, that works. <laughs> so, people obviously have favorites. Now, I'm going to segue into something different. You know, of all the the characters I've had, I've had, well, of all the players that I've been at my table, I've only ever had one monk, but I've had multiples of everything else. So that would be another question from subclass, not necessarily from creating a homebrew, but moving into what homebrew do you allow in your game? Mine. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, there there are certain people that uh, I... I, uh, I like off the bat. There's uh, Kibbles. Uh, he did the Artificer, um, and he's done a couple of d- other things that I've liked in the past. Um, the Angry Jim has a couple of bits of uh, homebrew that I like, uh, especially like his Herbcraft uh, stuff, which I'll link. Um, it, it, but really, it kind of comes down to a case by case basis. I, I have to review the material, and then I have to compare it to what else that class gets. So it's. It's a bit more of a uh, uh, work on my part to to allow you know a homebrew subclass or class or feat or magic item or whatever. Even if like Watsy releases it, I still want to look through it, compare it to to what else is in the published material, and then I mean this is a stipend I give to everything. Is you know I'm going to allow it, but uh, we might have to adjust things in the future. Right. That's like with Healing Spirit. Cool. Yeah, you can have that spell, but we're adjusting it because it's yeah. broken how it is written. So, because you brought up a good point, you know, there's people that are always playing homebrew kind of. So you have players, you know, that always want to do homebrew. They're looking around, they're finding, you know, homebrew classes or subclasses because they want to do it. And I, I was trying to figure out why. And you brought up a good point. People that have played for a long time. You know, there's only so many times, some you know, that you can play a wizard or whatever. You get kind of bored with it, so you want to go out and find something new and different to play that just because you've done everything over and over again. I haven't been playing enough recently to be able to do that, but I, I get now why people totally dig subclasses. So to your point, in a way, you're kind of 
Well, in some class- making your homebrew, when someone says, "Hey, can I play this?" and you're like, "Yeah, I'm reviewing it. I've got to tweak this because I don't think you went on D and D wiki. Fuck you, no, you can't use it." But they get somewhere from a, a good source, and you're like, hmm, "Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I'd be interested to see how they play that." But we're gonna have to change this around. So in a way, you're kind of creating a little bit of your own homebrew in the process. Correct? Yeah, I mean, homebrew is just anything that you, you know, that are not in the published materials. Mm-hmm. I guess last question on this subject would be, have you ever had someone play a homebrew character, uh, subclass that you, like, regret? <laughs> like, you're like, oh, God, why did I let him do that? No, I mean, I've had a couple of homebrew classes where I didn't quite understand the, the appeal of it, but, I mean, it, it seemed fine, and, you know. Do you do you find that when players do that, that all of a sudden you're like, okay, I've read through the rules, and then all of a sudden, like, no, 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 this is what they can do, and you're like, uh, wait a second, is that where you're saying, okay, yeah, you can do it now, and then you talk about it later, and you're like, yeah, we're not going to be able to do that moving well, forward. Here's why. I mean, no, it, I mean, basically what I said before was, you know, it, even published stuff, you you could even say that this is useful for it's just you know going you know you can do this but going forward you know if, if things right. happen you have to be uh you have to accept that we might have to adjust things in the future right okay for the betterment of the table not not exactly. not to be mean to you not to you know <laughs> not a spite <laughs> not to make you sad that you can't play the the vision of this character uh that that you envisioned but because of game balance okay cool. and and 5e is a lot more forgiving when it comes to game balance um than past editions. There's a lot more wiggle room. There's uh, 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 mon- monsters are a little bit, uh, you know, a, a CR2 uh, creatures, like two different CR2 creatures are going to be way different, uh, you know, with HP, AC, and like right. to hits and attacks, but that's just because uh, there's a lot more wiggle room when it kind of comes to designing things uh, in 5e. Cool. It's just, you know, don't give yourself a new cantrip called Power Word Kill at first level. <laughs> that w- that would be my best advice to anyone ma- wanting to make a, a, a you know a new subclass. Perfect. I'll keep that in mind. Okay. Good. All right. Stephen, are you going to do our uh, plugs this week? And uh, well, uh, I wanted to give a shout out to one of our patrons uh, who left a very 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 nice review on iTunes. Mm-hmm. about us uh so thank you stony that was very nice and you know, encourage uh the listeners if you like the show please uh comment you know tell us what you like tell us what you don't like leave a review on itunes we i'll throw that into the show notes uh chris likes to feel good about himself every night every day he'll he'll go back through the the comments and review them read them you know really make himself feel nice about himself so all five of them yes okay uh and uh, also, if you want to hear us talk more, if you like what we have to say, you should check out our Patreon. Uh, we just released the uh, our movie review of Knights of Bedastum, where Chris did everything in his power to not talk about that wonderful mo- movie. Yeah. <laughs> so wonderful. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we should be having something fun showing up in... Uh, not to replace this podcast, but uh, we should be having something coming up in the future just uh, to you know, uh, tease you a little bit more to become a patron and uh, we'll see how that goes. And the homebrew is still, the homebrew horde is still growing. I mean, yeah. there's some, I've got a couple things I want to put on there and uh, 
you know, I know there's always stuff you're throwing on there. So that's been growing at a pretty quick rate. Um, and we, like everybody else, we have a Discord channel. There's We actually have a fair amount of activity on the Discord channel. So it's kind of lively and it's kind of fun. So, yeah, uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast. Okay, Stephen, say goodbye. You made me so angry. <laughs>